Well, hi everyone. This is Adam from Brand161, and I'm doing a podcast today for Basketball England. And I wanted to do it with somebody from the women's game, and somebody who is a player currently in the WBBL, and she's also a coach for MMU Basketball Women's Programme. She's a mentor to, to hundreds of kids around Manchester and has been for a number of years. And she's, she's always been a, a real keen collaborator with Basketball England. So it gives me great pleasure during this strange lockdown sound to be talking to, to a friend of mine as well, Rianne Bailey. That was all right, wasn't it? Oh, you know, well, you know, you got you got to show your friends the love and uh, you know people that do so much for the sport. I mean, you you kind of like me. You're everywhere. Like I can be at Bellevue, uh, Amici, anywhere, um, and I just bump into you. you. You're just always so busy yeah. with basketball. I do feel like that. I don't really have an office. Manchester's my office. That's it. Mm. At, at MMU. Um. I, well. I'm never in the MMU office. I'm just saying, like the whole city of Manchester. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I get I, yeah. You could find me anywhere, literally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you do so much for the sport. I mean, before we get into sort of what what you're doing at the moment and what you've done um, recently, just let's let's go back a bit. I mean, where did you first discover the game? Because you're from Birmingham originally, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, when did I first? It was in. It was in high school, you know. I think I was in like year eight or nine, and I played literally every sport. And I actually didn't play basketball. And it just came to one of the games, and they were uh, like a a uh, player short. Um, so I just I just said I'll do it because I, I played netball, I played football, hockey. So I had good sports skills. Um, and then from that game, like I remember in the warm up being like, right, what lines is it? Um, can I run with the ball? Like, what what do I do? Um, and from that day, I just kind of fell in love with it. And then I was really fortunate to have Rob Paternostro at my high school at the time. He was oh, doing, yeah. I think he was like a learning mentor. Um, so we would like work out after school. Um, and I just got quite good really quickly. Um, and it kind of just took off from there, really. Started playing on a boys team. Um, which is why I'm so aggressive, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then yeah, and, and then after a few years, not even a few years, it was like a few months. Then I joined what was known as Birmingham Force. Um, yeah, wow. it just progressed. I never knew that about Rob Panastro. That's incredible. Yeah, I was in Birmingham, um, in Smevik, wow. uh, at our school. Yeah, working with all the naughty kids. <laughs> well, and... It might not have been naughty. I don't know. Oh, right, but you were in the bracket of the naughty kid. No. <laughs> he, is, he, he was always in the gym because, um, obviously, he plays basketball. He loved basketball. So he was doing some, like, after-school clubs and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, we just, just, he was like, right, let's work out. And then literally every day um, I'd just be in the gym. That's incredible. So, so when did you move to Manchester? Oh, I moved to Manchester... Three years ago? How long have I been playing for the Mystics? I, I moved know. to Manchester the first year I played for Mystics. So your first season would have been the, the the trophy winning season, right? Yeah, the cup, yeah, the cup. Yeah, the cup. Because that, that was, I mean, what a way to start um, that oh, must no. have been. I mean, <laughs> to, to play in that sort of arena. And the thing, I, I mean... I spend so much time around the Mystics and covering the Mystics. The, the thing I love about it is that the, the core of that team, for a good few years, has obviously been 
um, the likes of Georgia, Rachel, Sam Roscoe, and yourself. You know, you're like the stalwart of the team and work so hard at it as well. You, you, for me, you're like the heart and soul of that team. You know what I mean? You get everybody going, um, and like you just said, you're an intense player, and you play hard every game. You know, is, is that just who you are as a person as well as a player? I think it is who I am as a person. Everything that I do, I want to. I want it to be the best it can be. Um, not not just myself, but like the programme that I'm a part of, my teammates, and I just want everything to be the best it could possibly be. Um, but also I think it's me just kind of like understanding my role as I got older. When I was young um, and first started, I, I, you were in like a small, you're a big fish in a small pond. Um, and then as that pond starts to get bigger, um, you kind of have to find a role. I think it's really important yeah. because if, if not, you'll get lost. So I then realised that, OK, I'm not this person who's going to score 20-odd points a game. I'm not going to be that go-to person in that sense. But what I can do is get a team going. I'm, like, fiery. I can, you know, motivate a team. I can be intense on defence all the time. Um, and I can be that kind of glue player. So that, for me, was where... I then just thought, right, that's where I need to make sure that every single time I step on this court, that's what I bring. Yeah, so that was that was a big a big thing for me, and I learned it very difficult, like in a difficult way, because I remember being at Loughborough and Matt Harbour was my coach, and there would be sessions where if I didn't want to train, it was terrible. Like I would just I would purposely make sure that everybody else felt my mood. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I did a lot of work at Loughborough in terms of, like, becoming a leader and becoming a better leader. And even if I if I didn't feel like training, what I don't you know, don't have the ne- negative impact. Um, so it was a lot of growing up. And, but once I learned how to really kind of be that positive person in a team, I, like, my career kind of flourished and I did a lot better. So... That makes perfect sense because, you know, as, as I've watched your team over the past few years... Each year, you've sort of become more and more the heart of the team. But, I mean, don't sell yourself short, Rian. I mean, your, your stats were, were awesome last year, and you did you turned it on several times. Um, what? How important is it to you that the core of the team has kind of remained the same? Do you think that's, that's what makes being a mystic a bit more special, in that every year you know that kind of four or five of you are still going to be there? And, and I, think, yeah, I think it makes it really special because you get to know people, they become your friends, they become your family and having that core vibe uh, means that people who come onto the team, they get that same feeling so they, they want to be a part of that programme and yeah, it just it helps year on year, you're not having to rechange a whole system or a whole structure, mm. you can just build on what you did the previous years so that that um, that's, I think that really helps us. Mm. And as well as that, you know, the coach, you know, the guru, and in a lot of, for me, is Manchester basketball in a lot of ways, Jeff Jones. Yeah. I mean, what's your relationship like been with Jeff? Is that something that, you know, started a certain way and then became what it is now? Has it been a gradual process? Because Jeff kind of, I've noticed him, he goes to you a lot, you know, to, to, not just from a perspective of the play on the court, but just the dynamic of the team. What, what, what's the relationship like with Jeff? 
Jeff, um, Jeff's my stepdad. That's what I always say. Um, <laughs> Father's Day, I remember um, going round to his house and eating dinner with like him and his whole family, basically. Right. And um, because I I'd shown up uh, for Father's Day, he had to like sit on his little stool at the table. Um, so we have quite a funny relationship. Um, but he's definitely what I would consider a mentor. Mm. Um, he's been around the game for so long that he knows what's happened in previous cycles uh, of basketball and things like that. So we can kind of like, he helps me reflect further back than I have my own knowledge for, if that makes sense, yeah. to help kind of shape me as a player, a coach and a person, really. I just have like the utmost respect for him. Yeah, so he, I think he looks to me sometimes because... Um, women's basketball is not something that he had coached before and sometimes I think he he, he struggles to understand our mood swings so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he just looks to me like Rian what's going on <laughs> help me out <laughs> oh, so you're, you're kind of like Jeff's um, how do we call it female translator in a way So, yeah, I mean, as, as well as being such an active player in a WBBL, you've always been around Basketball England as well, um, doing various projects. How, how did you first get involved with BA? Uh, moving to Manchester, to be honest. When okay. I moved to Manchester, um, it just felt like so many doors opened for me. Um, and I guess I'm, I was that helps when you're around the right people. And obviously, Basketball England were based in Manchester. Um, and I think just through being passionate about basketball, and doing lots of community work in Manchester, going out into schools. Then, if you know, if you do a good job at things, people start your name starts to come up in conversations. Sure. Um, so I think that was kind of what had happened. And a lot of the projects that they were looking to run at the time was very much in line with a lot of the stuff that I was doing already and wanted to to do. So um, it just made sense that we kind of like collaborated on certain things and. Um, and I say collaborated, they came up with a lot of the content and I was just the poster girl. Mm. <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, you do so many things in the community in Manchester and, and the amount of kind of different groups that you have. And it's all ages as well, isn't it? It's, it, it ranges yeah. from sort of young kids through to... You, you have sessions for, for, for people of our age and, and above too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... If you combine our whole entire program um, of the Manchester Mystics, there is literally a session for absolutely everyone, mm. um, no matter what age, gender, sexuality, anything like that. It doesn't matter. There's a session for you um, between Bellevue, between and the Manchester Basketball Centre. Um, I can't even I can't even put into a figure how many basketball sessions that we run. Um, and then if you add on top of that how many schools that we go into, yeah, I probably should have a figure, but um, it's amazing. Just from um, the work that I do with MMU, we see we um, deliver 18 sessions, 18 basketball sessions a week, um, ranging six of those sessions are only for girls, um, which is something that I am really pushing and I'm trying to get that number higher every single day. Um, and then we have five of those sessions for under 11s um so yeah it's just we do a lot um and i'm that's something i'm really proud of um and why i love being part of the manchester mystics team because it's not just about the top level we're really trying to grow a massive grassroots um sort of army of, of little basketball players 
I mean, you kind of took the CV of, of, of everything, really, in terms of a lot of the young people that kind of coming into the game, girls and boys. Is it? Do you think it's because you can kind of relate to them from growing up yourself, where you grew up and how you grew up, that, that you have this sort of connection with younger people in the game? I think so. I think I also just don't take myself too seriously. And I think they know, I guess they know that I'm passionate about what it is that I do. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what it is. I've worked with young people a lot. And yeah, maybe certain aspects we relate, relate to um, each other. But I think young people have got it way harder than I ever had it growing up. Just because there's so many more pressures on them. And like, I, I never had social media. Yeah. That was crazy. I reckon I would have been like on so many people's Snapchats and TikToks. I remember I was in year 10 and my mom, she got me the wrong size trousers in terms of like length. So I had the right size, but I had like a size, an inch, like 30. And I only had white socks because of playing basketball. So I was literally walking around school for the whole of year 10 in jackups because my mom was like, I'm not buying you any more school trousers. (laughs) Like they were so short, it was crazy. Um, but I imagine if I did that today in school, oh, I'd have been a laughing stock. Whereas back then I was just like, yes, yeah, so what? But do you know what I mean? Like young people these days, oh, it's crazy. I couldn't even imagine being them. Um, so I like my hats go off to them sometimes. If they think I can relate to them, that's great. But um, whew, yeah, being a young person in this day and age is hard, I think. You know what? I couldn't agree more with you because they are under so much more pressure. When we were younger, it was almost like you dealt with the conversation there and then, and more often than not, that was it. Whereas now it's like they're answerable to whatever's on their phone or the tablet. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it's like that constant having to you know justification and, and relevance yeah. and it being yeah, shared honestly, everywhere. You know, when I was younger, if someone wanted to have someone had a problem. Usually, you would, you would like you said, you'd have a conversation about it, deal with it then and there. The worst thing that could happen is probably you had a fight about it, um, and then that was it, you moved on. But nobody could have anything on their phone about anything. Or, do you know what I mean? Because like, yeah. like, no one had a phone, really. No. Or if they did, it was just, it was like through text and stuff, not all, all different social media channels. It's mad. So you mentioned that you're doing some work at the moment during this. Is that the kind of way that you think about it, the fact that this is really going to have effects on them? Yeah, I mean, it will affect them. It definitely affect them. How it affects them, though, I think it's like it's down to them, really, because, yeah, it's like frustrating that the season ended the way it has, but you can only control what you can control. That is something that I have absolutely no control of. So to dwell on it, for me, is just like a wasted emotion. So at the minute, like what I'm doing right now is I am rehabbing. I've got my knees were flaring up during the season, so I'm rehabbing to make sure that when I go back and play that I'm not in, I'm not injured. Um, I'm going to rehab properly. I'm doing strength work. I'm doing high intensity workouts um, to make sure that I keep my fitness up. And I'm working on like my mobility and flexibility because that is very poor. And that is definitely something that adds to my injury risk. So I'm kind of looking at it as, it, all right, how can I use this time to make sure that next season is a success? If you're going, so like if you're under 18 and your next level is like senior basketball, if you're going off to play in college, it's a, it's a big difference. Like mm-hmm. the level is 
it's not just a jump from under 16 to under 18. It's massive. You'll be playing against people that are four or five years older than you. So you have to make sure that your body's ready for that. So use this time to make sure that you can do that. Okay, you can't get into the gym, but there are ways that you can strengthen your body in this time. There are ways you can make your body more robust. And I think that's really important. Maybe it's getting better sleep because that, that's that's super important for your recovery, making sure that you're able to get a routine so that when you go, when, because life's as slow as it ha- has ever been. So if you can get things right in, in this time, when life speeds up again, hopefully some of these habits that you've developed in this period will carry over rather than being overwhelmed again when everything starts up again. So for me, I'm using this time to prepare for the season. And that is as a player, uh, as a coach, um, linking up with other coaches in the Northwest to kind of upskill ourselves so that we're ready for when the season starts. Um, yeah, so there's loads of little things that we can be doing. If you've got a boy, like my ball handling is terrible. The amount of times I've dribbled the ball off my foot in season. <laughs> um, whenever Georgia passes me the ball, if I have to dribble the ball more than like four or five times, I'm looking <laughs> at who the next person is I can pass to <laughs> and sometimes it's the other team so you know using this time to work on my ball handling skills and and things like that and, and footwork as well I only need a square meter to work, be able to work on my footwork uh, making sure that I'm able to use a variety of pivots um, without traveling and all those things people can be working on there's a player, obviously, that's been on the team with you for a couple of years now in, in Jaden Bam, who's, who's going over to the States um, yeah. in September. So, you know, she's absolutely the, the sort of person that you'd probably be reaching out to, saying that it's about how you use your time. And I know for Jade, she's putting in a lot of work and doing what she can do, yeah. you know, without being able to have practice and whatnot. So I, I totally agree with you, actually. It's, kind of, it's almost that thing if you get out what you put in, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, some people, they are going to be affected by this time because it is uncertain. And, like, I understand, and it's important that we all understand that everyone is different. So when I say I've been working out, please don't think that I'm working out every single day, 10 out of 10 or 100. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> you know me, Adam. 1,000% not. So I just... When I, when I when I was listening to myself, I was thinking, you sound like you're a workaholic. No, definitely not. Um, but it's just important that you keep yourself ticking over, like, get up, get out of bed. I remember being young. Uh, get out of bed, do you know what I mean? Like, put some put some clothes on, don't sit around in your pyjamas. Yeah. Um, put workout clothes on, work out in the morning early, get some routine. Uh, make sure you're drinking enough water. Like, everyone's going to be dealing with this different, and that is okay. But I think if you're an athlete, just try and set some small goals for yourself that you're doing consistently. Drinking enough water, making sure you're working out, even if it's just even if it's just a couple of times a week, that's all you feel you can manage um, because of everything else that's going on. A couple of times a week is better than none. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's about creating a schedule, creating a routine, um, and making sure that you you are getting something out of it and that you're trying to look at it a bit more positively because if you are getting down in the dumps about it, first of all, speak to someone, reach out to your teammates, but also that will help because maybe they have a different perspective that can help you out. Um, I just think it's it's important that we try and get something out of this period. Um, 
and it's important that you're kind to yourself so that like like I said I'm not a workaholic there are days where I don't work out there are days where I eat chocolate mm-hmm. and things that are bad for me do you know what I mean there are yeah, days so, where yeah. I don't drink enough water um, but I still have to just be kind to myself in that process and make sure that actually it's not a knock on effect and this doesn't happen for the next four or five weeks actually tomorrow I'm just going to make sure I drink my six seven glasses of water um, and I do a workout whether that's stretching an abs workout strength or high intensity well, thought, that makes sense. It makes sense, and I'm writing notes down as we speak because it's like, uh, hang on a minute, I like the sound of that. So you see what I mean, Rianne? You just inspire people, whatever you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's talk about some of the um, the actual programs that you're involved with, with with Basketball England at the moment. The one that I'm I'm really loving, um, and again I say this because I'm such a huge advocate with with one six one of the women's game, the all girls basketball initiative was something really exciting yeah. tell us a bit about that I, I really love it obviously this one part of it um, it is basically it's been a long time since I've described it I, if you'd have asked me before quarantine I'd have had a whole kind <laughs> of like script so you just have to be it's basically um, a program that celebrates encourage, encourages and is like a driving force hopefully for participation of girls and women in basketball at, from, at all levels. So at grassroots, um, at officiating and refing, um, coaches, just at all levels of basketball, we're trying to encourage more females to take part. And also what I think is one of the most special things about it is that it's like the ambassador side of it. So I'm one of the ambassadors, but what it does is kind of link me up with a hundred other females from all different levels. Again, not all of them are like elite players, some of them are coaches, some of them are spectators of the game and just huge fans. So so I've got these a hundred women that I can call on and get like get advice from if I'm struggling or trying to find a new way to deliver a session or even just some advice I can like tap into that ambassador side of things and which for me is great because it just creates a huge network of women who love women's basketball and want it to improve um, which is something that I think we've not really had before there's people in Birmingham there's people in Manchester people in London who love the women's game but up until the all girls program we were very separate whereas the all girls kind of puts us under one umbrella so we can share ideas and ultimately that's got to be good for the game so it's a, it's a really good programme, and I'm yeah. excited. I mean, yeah. the, the way I see it is that the game in general in the UK is sold short a lot of the time um, in the lack of exposure it seems to get. We know all the stats about it being behind football, the most participated sport in the UK for young people. And it's almost like it's, it's huge, but it's still got that undercover feel to it. And the thing that breaks my heart is especially for the women's game, because for me the women's game in the UK is probably the strongest it's ever been because the national team have done what they've done. Obviously the yeah. success of Eurobasket, the fact that you know they got to Olympic qualification against the odds. And I mean, I've said this before on podcasts, when, when they didn't make it to the Olympics, I was gutted in that way that I imagine people are when England got out of the Football World Cup. Do you know what I mean? It broke broke my heart, man. It was like, you know, they've worked so hard. And at the moment, the mentors, role models, heroes, whatever you want to call it for the the women's game, 
is so up there because you've got players at club level like yourself who do everything that you do in the community. But then you can look you can look to the highest levels in Europe when you look at the Joe Leadums, the Chantel Handys, yeah. Rachel Vanderwall, you can look at the WNBA with Carly and, and Temi. It's almost yeah. like it's there for the taking, but something's just not quite clicking. What what, what do you think it is? Oh, that's a tough question. I don't I think it is and has been that lack of connection as a country, as a like a um, from the top to the bottom, we're all on board for improving women's basketball and having that across all levels, all the way to the top. Like I said, it's, we've had a lot of disconnect and it doesn't mean... So I'm doing all of this in Manchester and I feel like I'm the only person doing something, but actually there's, there's hundreds of women who are championing the women's game. So if that effort then became more connected then it sh- you know you, sh- you shout louder yeah um, so then you get more you get more media coverage and you get all of that um, and I think that's what we have to work towards the women doing what they did was fantastic so obviously that was a great catalyst coronavirus has slowed the momentum a little bit but it's great like Nottingham did a tournament junior NBA uh, tournament with the all girls program had over 100 girls competing. We did one the next week, again, had over 100 girls competing in this school's tournament. If we can get things like that happening consistently throughout the country and regularly, people are going to start talking about it more. And I think that's what we need to have. We need to have a collective effort up and down the country. Definitely. And then what about Slam Jam? How how does that fit into into the whole agenda of things for for the game at the moment? Because obviously that's, you know, just for basketball in general, for kids in schools, right? Yeah, it is. So, um, like I said, I started playing basketball at year eight. By that time, I I don't even think I was able to play under-14s basketball because I was too old. Was it year eight? I don't know. But I was too old. Whenever I started, I was too old to play under-14s. And now, I just think, imagine if I'd have been able to start playing at the age of seven, you know? So, like, Slam Jam's a great programme because across all age groups, um, England basketball have really high participation, but when it comes to that seven to 11-year-old category, they don't really... They haven't so far done that well. So, by creating that programme um, and having it as a standardised programme, it's something that they can control the quality of, um, and it means that it being specifically catered to 7 to 11 year olds is super fun so we're bound to get more um, young people playing basketball from an earlier age which means by the time they get to 14 they've already got a lot of the skills um, that for example a lot of people who start at 13, 14 are missing so it just means that we can make people better and by the time they're older, they've acquired more skills. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think I'm rambled. No, 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 no. It makes total sense. And I mean, <laughs> I, I do a bit of coaching myself um, in, in schools too. And I don't know what it is about the game of basketball, but the minute that you give a kid a basketball and a hoop, it, it sort of takes over them because even if they don't, yeah. they've never played the game. You know, the first thing I notice is that they'll just start going LeBron James. You know, they, they know that yeah. who these people are, and you know. As bad as it sounds, even if it's through like a video game that they've played, but it yeah. just excites kids when they have a basketball in their hand. And, and it definitely it, does. We, we started the Sam Jam session. We had like, well, I had two people come to the, um, the first ever one that I did. 
Um, and now it's we have got 24 people signed up for a weekly Slam Jam session and we've had to put a cap on a 24 um, until we can get another court available and some more coaches. Oh, really? um, yeah, so like it's growing very, very quickly because there is a need and because basketball is really fun and the Slam Jam program is really fun. Um, so... Yeah, so it's 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 a really important program, and I think it hits a nail on the head in terms of what it aims to deliver. It very much does. Um, I am a so I'm a I'm a Slam Jam activator, so I'm a Slam Jam coach, but I also I'm a Slam Jam tutor, so I teach um, coaches who want to be able to go out and run the program of Slam Jam. I teach them sort of like the curriculum so that they can go and do that, um, and. I, I think I'd run my first course, I think it was in February, and I had like uh, 10 to 12 coaches. And what was really positive was um, a lot of them were from schools. So there were teachers from schools who wanted to use that program as part of their after-school clubs. So it's really positive to see that actually the teachers are on board with it as well. So, you know, they must, basketball England must be doing something right in that aspect with that program. The other thing I was thinking as well um, at the moment is that it's almost like I look for things that are going to help to reignite the interest in the sport and I really think that the documentary The Last Dance that's just come on Netflix is going to do do something big to to bring the game back to the forefront of people's mind as well just because of who's on it and, and the story. I mean, have you watched it yet? No, I mean you're going to ask that. I haven't, I haven't watched it. I don't, you know what? For someone who plays basketball, I don't really watch a lot of basketball things. Love yeah. and basketball, Space Jam, that's like... <laughs> that's that's the extent. Um, no, I, I definitely am going to watch it. But you know what, I, I really... I'm a binge watcher. Yeah, I... Oh, Episodes, yeah, well, I'm literally. I was up at seven oh one, which is the, the date, the time that it came out on Monday. Watched them both, and I was gutted out to wait another week for the next one. Yeah, but, see, I'm, I'm a binge watcher, so I might have to just yeah. well, I need to get, give myself like five or you know five episodes or something like that. I just, and then just really yeah, 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 totally. But do, do you know what I mean in the fact that because it's so big and it's one of the most popular things on at the moment. I just think it's just another great thing that's gonna gonna get people interested in the game again because the amount of reaction I've seen on social media from people that haven't played for for years, so and myself included, you watch it and you just want to get out on court and pretend you're Michael Jordan yeah, for an hour. I think it definitely will ignite um, ignite something, some sort of flame, some sort of um, you know determination and passion to get back on court. Um, one of the things that I worry sometimes when, and it, this is for me just going into schools, is that because people see all these Americans, that they, they the, one of the biggest things that I always get is, oh, it's an American school. Yeah, yeah. But actually, you can play it too. I'm, I'm obviously, it's going to be an amazing documentary. I can't wait to watch it. I don't think it's going to take anything away from the game at all. Um, but it, one of the biggest frustrations that I have is, oh, it's an American. No, that's an American sport. So that frustrates it. me. What I want to see is a documentary on our senior women. What are they doing? You know, how did they get to become the athletes that they are mm. so that we can show that and we can have like that narrative. It's not an American sport or it's not just an American sport. Anyone can play and anyone who puts their mind to it can be successful at it. 
Um, I couldn't agree more, yeah. Ray. I couldn't agree more with you, and that's kind of why I do my YouTube stuff the way I do it because it's I'm yeah. trying to sort of combine that culture in the states of basketball, the way it's reported, the way you talk to players, the way you interact with it all, to kind of make it as attractive to, to younger people as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's what they do in the States, but people are starting to do it here as well. And then yeah. people are learning more about the fact that if they want to, there's, there's some great academies in the UK, especially up here, you know, yeah. having the, uh, the Magic and Mystics organisation and Basketball England being here, um, having Bellevue as a facility. You know, Manchester's a real hub for the sport right now. Definitely. Um, and it's part of the reason I've stayed in Manchester for um, as long as I have, really, mm. because um, it's just a great place to be, especially if you love basketball. Um, it's a really great place to be. There's lots of people in Manchester who want to learn, who want to be better. Um, and I'm finding I'm learning a lot very quickly um, about the sport and how we can push it forwards. So, I mean, what, what's next for you, Ray? Because, obviously, um, you, you pretty much confirmed that you're going to be playing WBBL next year, which is great news. What about, as a coach, what, what aspirations have you got there? Do you think that at some point you'd, you'd like to go down the route of being a coach? Do you know what? I have no idea if I'm being completely honest. Because, obviously, I'm a, I'm a qualified physio. Right. So, my role at MMU is I'm a physio for the elite athletes and the scholars. Um, I'm also the women's head coach and I'm a sport outreach developer. What am I? I'm a basketball development officer, so I do a lot of outreach. Um, and those three things are all like my passions. Love physiotherapy, um, love being a coach, but then love also being a coach in the grassroots and seeing the kids kind of come up. Um, I think at some point I'm going to have to choose between the three or at least between between the two, coaching and physio. Not 100% sure, to be honest. Not 100% sure. It would be great. It would be great to coach at every level and at the, the highest, definitely. But whether that is as a coach or a physio, I just don't know, to be honest. Too early to say. <laughs> well, one thing I can categorically say, Rihanna, is, is that basketball, women's, men's, boys, girls, whatever you want to call it, in Manchester and, and in England is, is a better place having having you in it. And, I'm, and I mean that because the work that you Aww, put in is... Okay. is, 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 oh, it's, is it's, it's that one, isn't it? When, you, when you're talking to your mates on things like this, it gives you an opportunity to kind of say some stuff, I find. And, you know, we've just got to keep on fighting the fight and, you know, bringing the sport to the forefront of people's people's minds and I think that what you do is amazing which is why you know when I was asked to do this collaboration with Basketball England one of the first names that, that, that came out to, to do when I said I wanted to do a female player was was, was you so I appreciate your time and, yes um, I do I appreciate you and your <laughs> yeah. well. you know, oh, well, you know. <laughs> Well, Rianne, it's been amazing talking to you, and I know people are going to get a lot out of it. Fingers crossed. I did chat a lot, um, but hopefully they can pick out the important bits. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Time Out. You can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify, so please like, subscribe, and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode.